Wow, I haven't felt the presence of God like that in a long time. That was, is, that's amazing. Okay, that's a picture of exactly what our nation needs, the generations blessing one another with Jesus, right? And all that he is and all his goodness, right? They did a great job singing too. That was great. So I hope everybody has an outline. It should say the lovely grace of mom's and grandma's. So, if you look at your outline there, I just want to make a few main points here today that I, I think are appropriate for this day and maybe always appropriate for moms, grandmas, and parenting and all the rest of it, right? But I would like to say this, and this is something I've noticed, and there's several things here that I think are unique to moms and females as a whole. And of course, there are things that are unique to males and dads as well. But uh, I want to just talk about this a little bit today. We see it in the scriptures, and it's fairly dramatic. The thing is, whatever we see that's a part or a gifting or something that's, we see a group or male, female, young, old, they have is actually always transferable to all of us because the Bible is made for all of us to enjoy all the blessings of the Lord. And so often there are types and forms and things God's put it in his natural order to speak to all of us about how much he wants to bless us, what he wants to do in our lives. And so when we talk about the lovely grace of moms and grandmas, this is a word not only to applaud them, but also to see what's possible in God for all of us. Because they are avenues of provision. They are examples of provision that the Lord wants for all of us, right? So first of all, mothers are uniquely equipped to understand and promote God's purposes in our lives. You found that out yet? They're uniquely equipped. By that I mean God equips us, equips them to understand and promote the purpose for God in various lives. They can discern it. They have this inside thing. They can size things up, Right? especially with their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids, but also with other people's kids sometimes. There's an intuition. There's a tenderness at the same time, and it's really quite remarkable. And I want to just go through some of the scriptures and help us understand this a little bit better because whatever I'm saying about mothers is also receivable by you and I, male, female. There's attributes, certainly, that are endemic to moms and so on, but there are characteristics all come from God, right? And so they're accessible to all of us. And it's really important we understand these dimensions of God. So we're really going to be talking about dimensions of God as we talk about moms and grandmas today, right? And again, mothers are uniquely, number one, equipped to understand and provoke God's purposes in our life. They're simply good reflectors of the wonderful plans God has for us already. So God has wonderful plans for everyone, right? And moms and grandmas have this way of reflecting it. This grace to see it and to call out the best in each other is available for every believer. That's what God wants from us, to see, to be able to see a person's potential, to be able to call that out, to be able to encourage them in that, right, to walk in it. Because God truly, truly has good plans for us all. Why don't you say that with me? God has, I want to say this, God has a good plan for me. Let's just say that. God has a good plan for me. You believe that? Let's say it again. It sounds good. God has a good plan for me. And uh, I want to just read Jeremiah, uh, thir- uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, 10 and 11, along these lines. This is what the Lord says, when 77s are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and return and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, they got disciplined. They were in a bad place. But could I just say to you, whether you're in a bad, bad place, medium place, or a good place, God's promises are always ready to be fulfilled for you. Always ready. He's always ready to be good to you. But he says this next line. Okay, I had to exile you. You became like the nations around you. You began to get into idolatry and all kinds of things that I'd never planned for you. You were actually destroying yourself. But then he says this, and this is where we come in as well. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Now, God Almighty is the only one that can truly say that. 
He proved it, as we'll see, through his son. He gave his only son to die and be crucified for you so that you could have this kind of life because he has good plans for you. And I mean all kinds of plans. If you limit his plans and his goodness, you've limited God in a major way because I am telling you, he's always better than you think. In every area. You think of the area that you would like goodness in and God is there already. That little change in our mind frame, that little understanding will take you a long way if you really believe it. It's amazing to me how few people really believe that God actually is for them, not against them. And actually, another thing that I notice is in my life, I've had to grow in this belief. I've had to grow in this understanding. Life can be pretty tumultuous, can be pretty rough. But as you walk with God more and more, one conclusion, and I would just call this a definition of maturity, you begin to realize that God has a lot more good plans for you than, than anything you could experience in this world, any plan that the world would have. And even our down times can turn into our good times. God can even turn the worst situation into the most blessed situation. And this is really important. And I think moms help us to understand that because one thing I've understood about as I've watched through the years is these moms always are for us. They have this picture of being for the kid even when they're the worst, even when they're not doing well, even... I mean, I see it all the time. I see it on baseball fields. I see it in classrooms. I see it uh, everywhere. Moms have this amazing internal whatever to not give up on their children. Long after dads give up, long after males leave, I've watched women care for kids, care for their children, look for promise in their kids. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And the reason why they do it is as a picture of God. God gave that to them. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that as we see that in women, we see that in moms, especially in grandmas. It's so important for us to understand that this is God has given this. This is God's ways. For it is by grace you've been saved. You didn't deserve it. Your salvation, you didn't deserve to be forgiven. You didn't deserve anything God gives you freely because of the death of his own son, which he gave freely, and the resurrection proving he's the son of God. And they can really deliver on his promises. So it's by grace you've been saved. You just believed. You trusted Jesus. You said, God, please come into my life. I need you. I need something more than myself. I need you. I realize I have this need and desire. Something's got to fill this void. Something's got to make sense out of my life. I need someone to be able to pray for, depend on. There's got to be a force in the universe that, that is dependable and will never leave me or forsake me. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so no one can boast. You can't earn your way in. You can only ask Jesus to have mercy on you. And you're in. And from that place of relationship, God will help you be the person you need to be. But you're never going to totally measure up, right? God knows that. So you can't boast with your good works in your relationship with God only on the grace of God because listen to this. God's not only connected with you, but it says here, you're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, not only is he going to start a good work in you, but he's shaping you, forming you. Moms have a way of doing that, wanting to shape and form you, right? Sometimes it drives you crazy a little bit, right? But God does it with the best attentions. This is one of the best verses in the whole Bible. For God's handiwork, we are, we are for God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepares us to be great citizens, to do good works, but not good works in the sense of we're doing it and we're holding our nose while we're doing it, but good works in the sense of we're enjoying the whole process. God's blessing us, we're blessing others, and this life is the best lifestyle on the planet. And mothers are the best givers of all. They're the best examples of all the way they take care of their kids. Not all. Maybe they're in a bad place, shape, or form. Maybe your mother wasn't so great, but I'm telling you, they're more wired that way than we know, and it doesn't take much for a mother to be rewired, even when she gets off a little bit from the disappointment, discouragement of life. But inside, as I've watched men and women, I'm telling you, women have this thing in them. They have this, this thing to see wonderful plans, to see wonderful plans of their kids, to call them out, and to see the best, especially in their children. And this is just a picture of God himself. Isn't that nice? Aren't you glad that's the picture of God? Some people have the wrong picture of God. Like he's mean, demanding, he's forcing, manipulating. Oh, man, couldn't be further from the truth. 
So as we look at this study with uh, the lovely grace that's on moms and grandmas, I want to look at some famous mothers. None more famous than Rebecca, maybe Mary, of course, but we'll get to her. But Mary and the birth of Jacob, which actually was renamed Israel and was the forebear of modern-day Israel and, of course, ancient Israel, which most of our Bible is all about. And I just want to just look at her story for a moment and how um, Israel came to be. And it's a very fascinating subject as you see the story begin to unfold, a very real story, a story we can all get a hold of. And um, so it's fascinating. But what I love the most about this is give us some insight as to how God uses women and what the possibilities are for God using women and mothers. It's fascinating. And how much more they are a part of the spiritual framework that maybe we could ever have thought of until we actually began to examine the scriptures. So Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. This is verse 21 of Genesis 25. Because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. Now it's very interesting. She becomes pregnant, but as a pregnant woman, she also is aware with God of certain things in her womb. Right? She's aware of huge purposes. I believe that Women, that's a part of your heritage. You carried it, <laughs> she or he, right? There's something inside of you that understands the destiny of that child more than just the average person, more than strangers, and I would say many times even more than fathers. It's part of your heritage. It's part of what we see, and we see this over and over again in the Scripture. The babies jostled each other within her. She's going to have twins. She said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Now he's talking to her, right? He's talking to her personally, telling her what's going on here. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the other will serve the younger. Wow. And when the time came, sure enough, for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. So she gets a word from God about what's happening in her womb, about the destinies of these children, which amazingly, even down to all these centuries later, continues to play out. This is no simple thing here. This is powerful. This is the headwaters for much of world history, as we know it and as we will know it. It's incredible. That's a process even playing out today. And here it was said, and, and while these babies are in the womb, she's understanding amazing thing that nobody else is understanding, even her husband isn't. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he was also called Edom, and Edom means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, if there's anything else you can learn from this passage, whatever you say before God is far more important than you might think. Words aren't meaningless. We all know about the power of words to hurt a person. But what about the power of words to bless a person? What about the power of words to trap a person? If the words can trap us, they can also be incredible blessing to us. So he traps himself. He says, Jacob says, tricks him. He says, first, sell me your birthright. Well, in lieu of what we just heard God say to Rebecca, he says, first, sell me your birthright. He was actually on God's track because God was on track to bless the younger instead of the older, right? But in Esau's character, evidently, he saw ahead. There was something that was missing there. He didn't, he despised it. He didn't understand what was really going on there. He he didn't treat it as a viable thing, who he was and what he was about to inherit in the Lord, right? So Jacob tricks him. He says, what? He says, what good? He says look, I'm about to die. Wasn't the most spiritual guy, evidently. What good is that birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Wow. The power of our words. I'll tell you what, if nothing else, just learn this from this. The power of our words, what we say, what we promise more powerful we know, especially if we sort of do it with a sacred thing 
like a birthright or something that only God can bring and do, right? Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. Just had some lentil stew at Monte Benny's the other day. It was great. I forgot about that. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. It seems so innocent, but these two people are powerfully anointed. They're in a family line. By the way, you're in that family line. You know that? Through Christ, you just joined that entire Hebrew family line, right? So we're on a family line of supernatural blessing and anointing, much of which we can pass to one another, much of which has to do with our families and other people, other people that are close to us, right? All right. So as we look at these passages and we see the lentil stew situation, (laughs) and we see this situation that begins to develop, the story begins to thicken. And so we see that it's time for Esau to receive his birthright, according to his dad. And his dad asks him to go out and get some game, and then he's going to bless him. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. He says that to Esau. Now, Rebekah was listening as Esau spoke to his son, as, as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats, young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Now, this is real life stuff. He's really passing on a blessing. He's really passing on favor to one son above the other. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. Well, I have have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Listen to this. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Now, why is she so sure? Why? Because she's already heard from God about it. The younger will be more powerful than the older. She already heard. She had a word. Jacob had a tradition, which often was fine. Except in this case, it wasn't fine. Because this is what God had in mind, right? And you can see even by the superficialness of his character, right? Being able to just easily give away his birthright like it was something sacred, something powerful, something anointed, right? So his mother's the one. Isn't that amazing? Moms are uniquely equipped to understand and promote God's purposes in her life. His mom got it. I'm just going to speak to you mothers. You're uniquely equipped in this area. You understand your children. Maybe it's because you carry them. But in the Lord, you understand them in a unique way and have a unique way of being able to bless and pray for them. And if you should take that inheritance and, 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 and make it sure, make, make sure that you always, you know, Pay attention and what you're seeing, you know, about them. Maybe it might appear to your kids you're a little nosy at times or whatever, but you see something and have an anointing, especially if you walk with Jesus Christ. You have the ability to see things in them, seeing things that are good for them, blessing for them. So I'm speaking to you moms just to, just to encourage you in this, especially if you walk with Jesus, if you walk with the Lord, like, like Rebecca was walking with the Lord, right? She said, my son, let the curse follow me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. She knew from the Lord. She knew nothing of the kind was going to happen. She understood what was up in this situation, right? So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked. Then Isaac took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which he had in the house, and put them on her younger son. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and bread she had made. And so then Jacob comes home and pretends to be Esau. And he says, I'm home. <laughs> and he said, wow, that doesn't, sound like, that doesn't sound like Esau. But then he says, okay, well, fine. My son, bring me some of that game of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. He said, ah, the smell of my sons, like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. 
May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. What an incredible blessing. Oh my gosh. So this caused a little bit of a problem. Jacob swipes the blessing, which everybody thought was really real. Esau didn't value it enough to really consider until that time when the father gave it. Then he thought, well, maybe this is more important than I thought. But it put a grudge match between them. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I'll come and kill this guy, right? And so this sent then Jacob up on a journey up to the north where he found his wives. Didn't come back for many, many years after that to actually resume the blessing that actually his mother, Rebekah, had discovered and had understood, right? What a powerful scripture here. This is, as all scriptures, meant to be applied, and God will help you apply it, but if nothing else, you should see out of the story that you moms have a very unique place with your kids. Perhaps it comes out of carrying them in the womb, but it certainly comes out of God's will. As we see through the scriptures, we're going to see it more and more. And actually, you see it all around us. And as a pastor of the church and and other places I've been uh, throughout the world, I see this over and over and over and over again. I don't know what it is. Somehow God's made the female of the species a little bit more sensitive, especially to their offspring. But with that sensitivity, he's also given you the ability, powerful weapons, to bring those things into place. There's nothing more powerful than a praying mother except for a praying grandmother. <laughs> and sometimes it makes me sad to see mothers who have given up on their walk with the Lord or, you know, uh, given up in this, because they gave up on this unique place they have in the economy of God. This place that also is a symbolic place where we all can go. All of us should have this in interest, dads, moms, everyone, this deep interest, abiding interest in why were you made? Who are you? Who are you, daughter? Who are you, son? Who is it that God made you? Who are you? And of course, dad has their own place in that. Such a special place. But this is Mother's Day, so we'll talk about moms, right? All right? Although, as you can see through the scripture, there's some really odd things here. It doesn't. Dad doesn't always perform. Matter of fact, Moms, I believe, again, have this special thing about them that understands purposes, understands prayer for the purposes, will be loyal to a fault, loyal to the last minute, even after dads are long gone. And that we see in our culture quite a bit. We see a lot, right? Many of you have been the blessing from that, that from a mom that stuck with you even when dad left, wasn't a part of the family anymore. That mom that held on, that mom that prayed. It's just this wonderful thing to honor moms, but it's also a wonderful thing to say, look, this is what we should all be like. I want to be like my mom. (laughs) I want to be like her. In that sense, I want to be like her. I want to understand. I want to be intuitive. I want to see. And I want to bless and understand my power to bless other people. Spiritual sons and daughters as well as physical sons and daughters. Now we look at the story, no more prominent mother in the whole Bible than Mary. If you look in your outline in 1C, it says Mary and the birth of Jesus. Now, here's an amazing thing. As you just begin to think, and I always think about this a lot when we get around to Christmas time, the place of Mary in this and Elizabeth is just remarkable. It's remarkable. Again, it's along this theme. They're uniquely equipped to understand and promote God's purposes in our lives. So look at Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is her cousin Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, who was going to be the precursor to Jesus in his ministry, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, she says this. How will this be since I'm a virgin? How is this going to happen? And here, I believe, is a turning point in all of history. 
She's offered this incredible blessing. By the way, you're going to be mother of God. (laughs) The mother of God. Now, how do you respond to such a thing? Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. And yet somehow this woman has in her, maybe God searched the centuries before he'd find one person who would hear that word and would say yes to it. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. Hmm. No word from God will ever fail. And then she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. What a dramatic thing. I think God was looking through the centuries to find one person who would say, be it done to me according to your word. I'm the Lord's servant. And as I just pause for a moment with all of us, I wonder if God has amazing plans for you. Moms, dads, everybody. I think he does. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. But often promise comes first and then the belief and then the fulfillment. So we go on faith journeys as we're being blessed. And in the process, God shapes us up and makes him more and more like himself. But what a great example. And if God should say to us, even speak the impossible, the most amazing thing we've ever heard, and say, ah, no. Ah. From what I understand, God doesn't like that very much. He wants to speak and see the best in you, just like your mother, when she's functioning properly, will do a grandmother. Way beyond what you deserve. And when he gives you a promise, this is the way you react, this is the way you respond. And somehow this woman he knew was going to respond the right way. And all of history changed as a result of her yes. The yes of one mother. At that time, Mary got down, got ready, and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachary. Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. See, these women, there's two women in a rural town. The world's about to change, and they're the only two that know it. All the ways of God. Boy, I tell you, the ways of God. Women, you are so powerful. There's something about you that is so unique, so amazing. This is an example. There's other examples all through history of people like this responding in faith. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She knows it's Jesus. Two people on the whole planet know it's Jesus, the Son of God. These two women. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Oh, my goodness. Could I just say that to all of you right here? Blessed is she, he who believed that God will fulfill his promises to you. Blessed are you who are praying for a son or a daughter, a lost loved one, a lost whatever family member. May the Lord bless you for your belief. May you never stop believing until every last promise is fulfilled in your sight and your being in your heart. May you be tenacious like these women. Because this kind of tenacity makes the world go round and the world change. The invisible controls the visible. An invisible power and faith. It's operative in the faith of a woman, a grandma, or mother is so powerful you can't imagine. And it's an example for all of us. Dads, fathers, grandfathers as well, right? So moms show us how to travail in purpose, a prayer for the purpose of God in our lives and in the earth. That's Roman numeral two. So... It's one thing to receive a promise, but it's another thing to prevail, right? To have the promise fulfilled. And prayer, the practice of prayer, is right in the center of it. It's amazing to me in my life as I've been growing and growing in the Lord. I've gotten deeper and further into prayer than ever before. I didn't get lighter. I got deeper because I've realized through the years how powerful my simple prayer in the name of Jesus is. And as I walk as a pastor through all these years, I've also been so surprised to see how few people actually believe what I just said. And I would say, especially on this side of the ocean, in this kind of environment that we live in, our churches largely are prayerless churches. They really, and we are prayerless people. We're distracted by everything around us. But the thing is, what we missed is we missed the payoff. (laughs) 
If you don't believe for any other reason, understand that your prayers with God, your intercession with God, count. Husbands, wives, young, old, they count. They make a difference. It's part of the procedure. It's part of the way God dispenses blessing. Thank God at an early age I learned this. I don't know why I learned it. And I learned it through the simplest of things. I learned it as I just had a... I remember the moment it was imparted to me. It was the strangest thing. So I remember I was in class in the second grade. No, it was the first grade. And my first grade teacher in Sunday school talked to us about prayer. And she told me, you could pray for anything and God would do it. And when she said that, it touched my little six-year-old heart. And I began to think about that, you know. And I know the seed went in that day because from that moment forward, I began to pray over all kinds of things. Things at Christmas, that I would get the most valuable player award in a, in a, in a season. I, I prayed, you name it, if it was good, I prayed for it. And to my amazing childlike faith, I saw God do these things that would have been you know, if I look back on them now, they're just sort of childlike things. But for me, they were everything in my world. Children have things in their world that are everything to them right now. You might think, well, that's just a childish thing. But always use those things as parents to pull them along. Pull them along. Hey, listen. See, I'm praying for all kinds of things, right? And doing it with them and have them do it and what they're agreeing on. And enter into this thing. You'll teach them how to fish for the rest of their life. And especially as children, as they see the miracles happen, as they see things happen, I can just give you like nine or ten of these things that happened by the time I, and from the time I was like in first grade to the time I through high school, major events in my life. They shaped me. They made me into the person I am. You know, and uh, I remember through that, uh, one, one person that I really admired was my grandmother because she prayed all the time as well. And, uh, and so whenever, the few times we got to visit her, you know, in California, she was always taking me in and giving me quarters for memorizing scripture verses, you know, and, and praying, you know, and teaching me this spiritual lifestyle. And these people are, and, and, and the people that you are with in your children, your influence on them, even when they're older, is huge in their lives, right? But moms help us understand this travailing in prayer thing for the purposes of God. We see it and these wonderful stories in the Bible. So I want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 7 to 20. And uh, so this is the story of Hannah and Samuel. And what I really like you to get out of this is it's not just about a woman in a long time ago that wanted a child. This is about a woman who understood, who somehow through the passion and the, the depth of her pain got a hold of God and got an answer. Could I just suggest to you that some of your deepest pains are so that you will actually learn how to fish. You will have deepest situations in your life in front of you. And as you pray through them and you get, pray and you pray and you get to the answer and you find God answer the prayer, it shapes you for the next thing and the next thing. At least I hope it will. Sometimes I believe obstacles in our life come just so we'll pray through them and get to the other side and learn from it and become prayerful people. So you begin to pray for everything, which I do now to this day. I would be embarrassed if I told you all the things I pray for. They're ridiculous. My golf score still hasn't come far enough along. But I mean, I pray for everything. But it's a joy to me. It's like I'm in this wonderful forest and every tree is mine, right? If you get enough behind you and under your belt, you begin to believe them. And even to believe it, you begin to walk way differently. And you begin to work then with God to bring his purposes down to earth. Some things are rather trivial and personal, but it's the personal trivial things that prove to you that God's alive that help you to pray for the big things, the huge things, the family things, the national things. You see? They're powerful. They're meaningful. And moms illustrate this better than anyone as we see through the pages of the scripture, and here this woman is, and she's childless. Her name's Hannah, verse Samuel 1. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her, verse 7. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. The rival, the other wife, had children. Her husband Elkanah would say to her something really genius. Why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you down hard? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> Dum, 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 dum. 
<laughs> Man, I've said things like that. Wow. <laughs> Didn't quite understand the situation. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the chair on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Oh my gosh, when you get into that space, you become one of the most powerful people on the planet when you feel your spirit in that space of anguish, crying out to God, looking to Him without anger, without bitterness, but just crying out to Him, God, is this the time now? Come, Lord, come. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever be used on his head. So what it meant was he would actually go live in this temple, and he would live apart from the family. And then the Lord God gave her some more sons and daughters, but she kept that vow. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. you ever been in that space? It's a better space than you think. It's a painful space. And then she was in absolute pain, but she was doing the right thing. She was in the right space with God. Eli thought she was drunk, and these guys around him. Wow, sometimes guys around you are not too sharp. You know, that's maybe part of the story here. We're going to talk about the lovely grace of moms and grandma. You know, like, don't I mean more to you? And, and this woman's praying her guts out. And he's saying, gosh, she's drunk. How dare she come to the <laughs> How long are you going to stay drunk? <laughs> Put away your wine. <laughs> not so, my Lord. And replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. There's no more powerful thing in the world than a Christian woman pouring out her soul to the Lord, especially over her kids and her family. Nothing more powerful in the whole universe. That moves heaven and earth. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they rose and worshipped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Anna became pregnant and gave birth to her son. She named him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel means her to the Lord. And Samuel became the first prophet, the first in a long line of prophets and the first of the prophetic, the understanding of prophets that continues on to this day. That's where it began, from this pain and sorrow. And this prophet, Samuel, who became a seer, he became a great prophet in Israel. He prepared the way for the kings, which is also a motif of God. Prophet, priest, and king. And that's how the scripture illustrates God. And in, to some extent, even our responsibility, our duties, how we walk with God as well in these different offices. And of course, Samuel was the first of, the, of a long line of prophets. So Hannah would not let go of God's plan for her and her children, even when her husband seemed indifferent. God uses intercessory travail to bring forth his purposes on the earth. This is exactly what she was doing. And we see other passages uh, like this, like Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. And uh, I'm just encouraging, you know what? It's my deepest desire today that you would not lose this part of what I'm saying, that you would gain it. Because if you gain what I'm saying and you hear it in your spirit, you begin to practice this and watch for answers and begin to thank God for answers and begin to sort of maybe, oh, I could say, a little notebook of understanding, of, of critically write, writing down the answers and the things God gives you. You know, you, you will change your life and you'll change the lives of the people around you. There's nothing more powerful than a praying believer that actually believes and has a track record with God and then prays with other people and asks the same. The most powerful meetings in our church uh, are our prayer meetings, wherever we have them. Simple, humble things, and yet people discount them. They don't understand. They haven't learned to manipulate the supernatural yet, right? Move it around a little bit. When they begin to get it, they don't have any problem going to prayer meetings because they understand the great hope. And also the hope is that if you pray alone, that's one thing, but when you pray two together, that's a whole other thing, even another dimension, right? So Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, the Spirit you get when you get saved, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people 
occurring in accordance with the will of God. So the Spirit of God inside us helps us to intercede. He gives us the impetus. Sometimes you thought that the problem that gave you the impetus was the problem itself. No, it was the grace to also pray in the midst of that problem because that problem could defeat you. It could totally annihilate you. It could totally make you think there isn't even a God. But when you take that problem and you apply the intercession a prayer that something special happens. And as you go through these things one after another, one after another, and see God begin to do it, you begin to realize, hey, I have a tool in the toolbox that is unstoppable. I can get answers. I can react. I can understand the Almighty God. And I can uh, walk with Him in a very real way. Ephesians 4, uh, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest. This is our representative in heaven. This is Jesus who prays for us as well, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's looking for you. He's watching for you. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. He understands your problems, your situations. Let us then, in response to this, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Again, because of all that, and because of this intercessor Jesus who went through the pain to die and suffer and resurrect from the dead for you, seated in heaven, listening to your requests. And the only difference between you and another person is this faith and these very things and your ability to grab a hold of them and stay there. It's amazing. And moms do this better than anybody else. Spurgeon once said this, tears are like liquid prayers. They flow the very heart of God. And we cry over things, concerned about things. God's tears are like that, in us, through us. Empathize in Hebrews 4.15, as I was reading it, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, is sympatheo, which literally means Jesus suffers along with us in our travail, asking of things from God. He suffers with us. He's there with us. Sympatheo, sympathizes with us. He, but it's deeper than that. He suffers along with us. When you suffer, he suffers. When you ask these requests, he's listening. He's not just sitting around making you run around circles and hope that he's hearing you. And in the process of that identity, what is it like when another human being prays with another human being? And you find empathy from that other person. And they begin to pray. And you begin a little prayer. There's so much sharing that exists, a bond that exists. And that person who helped you pray through a difficult thing that doesn't exist with any other person in the world. When you get a prayer partner like that, hope that's between a husband and a wife. But if it's another person or, or, or between two women or two men or a group of four or five, and they do this for a long period of time, the, the, sympathy, the empathy that they have and the prayer that has builds not only the answers to prayer, but also builds a sense of camaraderie. A sense, of, a sense of fellowship, a sense of belonging. In many ways, some of the longer prayer meetings we have around here that have been stood the test of time are like that. Our business prayer meetings like that. There's an empathy. There's a sympathy. There's a belonging. There's a, hey, I remember when you prayed that and God answered, and you remember me. And whether it's a small group of two or three or larger, there's nothing like a great prayer group to go to over and over again. Men's prayer group, women's prayer group, business prayer group, whatever it is. Oh, my, if you gather together anybody, even just two or three, even one like that, and gain that relationship, you see what happened with the relationship. You'll build a friend that will last forever because you go through thick and thin together. You suffer along, and then you encourage one another by the answers that you say. There's nothing like it. That's why Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So many people reject that. They don't understand it. They have a hard time. The hardest time they have is when they have to go to a prayer meeting. They feel isolated. Maybe they don't feel equipped. No, you're not equipped. <clears throat> you're not equipped. You don't have to be special. If you had to be specially equipped, nobody would do this. If you've got a problem, you've got a prayer. <laughs> In Jesus' name, right? In short, the Spirit prays, Jesus prays, and we pray for the grace of God in our lives and the earth to pray. And moms and grandmas are especially good at all that I just said. That's why we can learn from them. And we see this. Again, I'm going to go through a couple other just wonderful stories. John 2, 1 to 5. And I guess as I talk now, I'm just going to sort of be talking about a little bit about the audacity of prayer, how crazy it is. I mean, look at this for a minute. A couple of stories here. On the third, and, and how God wants to be violent in this, and how violent, in a sense, I made it the wrong word, persistent, let's just say, 
uh, mothers and grandmothers maybe are equipped to do this. They have something inside of them. I don't know why, especially over their own kids, but over situations. There's something they carry deep on the inside that's just so exemplary. I just, I, I find myself, I want to be like her. Sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes I can, just because of this thing they're carrying. On the day, third day of wedding took place at Canaan Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. She wants him to do something about it. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. I mean, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Saying, I, I can't do that right now. It's not time. His mother said, the servants do whatever he tells you. Like he didn't even say a word. This is Jesus. I mean, can I emphasize that enough? I know it was his mother, but still, this is the Son of God. says, I can't do that right now. <laughs> do whatever he tells you. Okay, fill the jar to the water. <laughs> And he does it. He answers her. He does it. Oh, my gosh. She didn't even skip a beat. Nah, just do what he tells you. She knew. Maybe she knew by the look in his eyes. Oh, maybe it's that intuition thing that she got. Women's ability to read people. He knew he said it, but he didn't mean it. Or maybe it was just her raw understanding of faith and who was in front of her, this travailing thing again. Maybe she understood from that point, but I don't know how she got it, but she got it. And as interestingly enough, as we look through the stories in the Bible, evidently other women got it. When they encountered Jesus, they understood this part of him. And it's so important to understand this part of him. It, it makes the world go around. And like I said before, I think moms and grandmas do this better than anyone. And so that's why, in a way, as we celebrate Mom's Day, we should celebrate, hey, I want to be like mom. I want to be like my grandmother. And I am sure many of you out there have stories like that. Maybe not all of us. Maybe your mother wasn't a believer, but... Or didn't know the Lord. Mark 7, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. He could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he, she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She was a Gentile, in other words. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now, at this time, Jesus was only going to the Jews, very little to the Gentiles. It wasn't time for the Gentiles yet. Right? It wasn't time. That time came after he died and resurrected from the dead and to the disciples' shock, found out that the gospel was for everybody. But then he says this, first, let the children eat all they want. He's talking about the Jews. I'm sent first to them. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I've come specifically for Israel right now. I'm appearing as their Messiah. And she says this, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Can you believe that? For such a reply, he said, you may go. The demons left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now, what is this? This is a hint, a big hint. God may pay, may seem hard to get. Matter of fact, it might often seem like that. But this woman didn't let it get in the way of shameless audacity. It's the son of God she's talking to. She says, yeah, but you know what? We even get the crumbs under the table. She said, Jesus said to himself, oh, I can't resist this much faith. I can't resist it. Something pours out of it. I just can't resist. I wonder if that could be, could it be today that God does it? I just can't resist this guy. He's making a total fool of himself, doing this and that. He's got himself stretched out. He's spread. But I can't resist this faith. I just really like the way he operates. Here, I'm going to bless it, right? He did the wrong thing, went the wrong direction. He's greedy and proud, but... But he's crying out to me, and he's believing, and he's trusting, and we'll change that all along the way as I bless him. And that's how God works. Could God actually be that good? Yes. If you learn to pray, you'll find out how good God is. You'll find out. You'll find out how much you didn't deserve, right? And it's just amazing. And I've learned it through the years more and more and more, and I'm learning more as I go along. I guess I'm getting learning to be more, I guess you could say, shamelessly audacious as the time goes on. Let me just tell you another one in Luke chapter 18. And this is a very familiar scripture, but I just want to emphasize this point so much. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now, Jesus says in the first verse, he told them a parable, they should always pray and not ever give up. 
In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Wow, she must have been wrong. And the Lord said, and do you think, what, attack the Son of God, be mean? What do you mean, be brazen? That's against all etiquette. Well, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So he he makes equivalent this audacious prayer with faith, and faith is what makes the world go around. And so as you learn to do this more and more, maybe the fuses on your prayers are quite long. Many of you are probably in between spaces where you're really praying for something and it hasn't happened yet. But could I just say that when you burn a long fuse down to an answer of prayer and it comes, I'll tell you what, you begin to get the hang of this really fast. You begin to understand the way things work. And it's nothing but joy to you. Doesn't mean you won't suffer. Doesn't mean you won't have pain. It just means that, hey, I can cope with this. I have someone that's interested in me. He actually even likes it that I pray like this. Matter of fact, he may have sent the situation just to cultivate this in my relationship with him so he wouldn't wander, so he get closer and closer and understand, really, actually, I'm better than he thinks. I'm better than he thinks. I'm better than she thinks. Now, as we look down at the last part here, moms demonstrate God's tender heart toward us. And I just love these passages of Scripture. They're so powerful. They're just one after another that just illustrates this. As a mother comforts her children, so I will comfort you. Isaiah 66, 13. Zephaniah 3, 17, which is really an odd passage, but I love these passages. This is the way God represents himself. This is why this thing really works. It's because there's this love behind all of the hardship and all the other things and the hardness of the world and the stealing of the devil, right? The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over you with singing. You just not learn to hear the melody. Learn to hear the harmonies of God, even in the midst of great trial and tribulation. And moms do this more than anyone. Amen. I mean, and... And the persistence in the whole thing. Here's Jesus hanging on a cross. And there's his mother right there. Many of the disciples have deserted. Who's there? His mother there. She doesn't care. A couple other women. My, my. And so Jesus looks down from the cross and sees his mom there, right? And says, even from the cross provides, he says, woman, here's your son, meaning the apostle John. John, here's your mother. From that moment forward, John took her in. But this love thing going on here, and I'm sure she may have prayed a thousand times for him not to have to go through that. But the relations stayed and became even deeper because she became a Christian when the Holy Spirit was given. Now she understood this son better than she ever could as a natural son, just like we do. Just as a mother rarely gives up on her own kids, God never fails to have compassion on us. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16 says something about, can a mother forget her nursing child? She might forget, but I won't forget you. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I love these verses. I just want to make sure I, I read these. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I, this is Apostle Paul's conclusion, and convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. So I think he's covering everything, isn't he? <laughs> Taxes, bad government, nothing. And all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For all the things you see going on in your government, all the bad things that happen, here there's a different government. It's the love of God. Nothing can separate us. We are the nation within the nation. When everything else is falling apart, we do not fall apart. Because God 
who is over all nations and all authority and all power will never, ever forsake us. And the way you learn that is through life over and over again, testing God in prayer, going through one situation after another, having Him carry you, having Him answer you, and then finding out that the Lord is dependable, not giving up, not stop persevering, but continue to ask, making a lifestyle of prayer and answer so that you know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what's going to come against you, you have access. And that's how you build that access in the faith. That's how a holy nation, a church builds its faith. It builds its faith through the adversity of everyday life, coming through, coming through, coming through, God blessing, God blessing, God blessing. This whole thing that happened with COVID-19 was nothing but a nice weight room for the church to lift in the gymnasium and get our muscles back so we're prepared for what comes next. That's what happened. That's what happened. I wouldn't be surprised if God allowed it just for the benefit of the church because he knows what's coming next, the things and the challenges, and we're going to be the light of the world. We either light of the world or the salt of the earth, or we're not. And in that space, the unique place that we have to intercede, to stand in the gap for our people, for our children before the Lord is so unique. So there's Biden, there's Putin, there's the Son of God, and there's no comparison, right? I'll tell you one thing. I do not want to talk like they're even in the same room. Sometimes I hear Christians the way they talk. They talk like, wow, they're not even in the same category, not not even close. There is a God. And it isn't a one-world government. It is the God in heaven who controls all things, is working things all together for good, for them to love him, and call according to his purpose. When you believe that scripture, God works together for good for all that love him and call according to his purpose, then your prayer life will go like this. You say, wait a minute, this sucks, but you know what? It's working together for my good. I can pray this sin. I can pray through it. Now, when you see that, you don't just say, oh, that promise, and leave it. No, you take that promise, you go, all right, let's pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray every night, every day. I'm going to carry this in my womb. I'm going to carry it like, like, the, like, like, like actually, uh, you know, Samuel's mother carried, Hannah carried him in her womb before she, he was in her womb. She carried him in the spirit, travailing, travailing, travailing before finally he came forth. This is the miraculous power. This is the power that no one can account for in politics or religion or any kind of secularism. They have no idea the intimacy of a people married to Jesus through the blood of Jesus Christ who have an audience before the very throne room of God. They have no idea what they're up against, what they're dealing with. But someday they will. But now we've got to understand who we are, right? And there's nothing more powerful than what moms demonstrate to us this amazing, amazing intercessory prayer and his heart toward us. Just as a mother rarely gives up on her kids, God never fails to have compassion on us. When we receive love, our heart is unlocked. Moms are God's design to help us love one another in a genuine way. So they're that part of God that helps us. Because moms are more tender. And I, I just see it all the time. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. We love because he first loved us. You know, by him we cry, Abba, Father, the scripture says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we just see this marvelous love chapter. And we've read those verses, you know, but all these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 are, are for you and, and, and they're for me, right? And they're, they're so powerful. And I'm just going to read these last few verses. And I want to just say that moms have this inside track on this that is so admirable and so wonderful so beautiful and so beautiful to recognize and we want to thank you mothers and thank you women for what you mean to us and how you've exemplified Jesus and most of us in the room are here because of someone that was a female uh, gender prayed for us and we want to say thank you to our moms and wherever they are and maybe they're in this room or whatever, right? But I think the things I really think are so special about moms, again, is this tender heart because the thing is, if you don't understand that God has a tender heart toward you, it's very difficult to pray. If you don't feel loved by God, it's very difficult. So you need that affection so bad. And moms give it. Grandmas give it. And when they fail to give it or a father fails to give it, what a tragedy for their children because you're modeling God. They need to know that someone in this world loves them. But sometimes we didn't have great parents. We had, we're outcasts. We're in a difficult space. But you know what? Your Father God will take the place and the body of Christ will help you. Understand this love. The same love we see in 1 Corinthians. 
He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. Because, see, love is the source of all of this. I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So at the core of our intercession, the core of this grace is this love, compassion that we feel from God that God gives, and he exemplifies, and, and women and mothers and grandmas especially. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it's not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking or easily angered, it keeps on no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why you can depend on God, and in that love, he always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. That's what the cross is all about. That's what prayer is all about. A loving God seeking to do wonderful business in a fallen world with his people. Amen? Why don't we all stand? Thank you, Lord. God showed me something as I was preparing this message. And I want to just do this in two waves here today, just response. And maybe we have a worship team come up a little bit if you like, but um, I don't think I'm going to need a ministry team today because I want to do something in two waves here. First wave is for any woman in this room that feels faith to stand and persevere in prayer this day on Mother's Day and ask God on Mother's Day for something very specific that's on their heart. I just think there's a wide open door here for any mother that would like to do that or any woman that would like to do that here in the room. Um, so I'm not just talking about mothers, but anyone has something on mind. If you would like to come up and do that, what I'd like you to do is I want you to come up to the front just now, wherever you are, and I want you to pray that request to God. And after you get done praying this request to God, I just encourage you to do something. Write down what you prayed and write down the date. Okay? Come up as close as you can. For some of you, this is easy. You do this all the time. For some of you, this may be something new. Something brand new. Maybe you've never done this before. And listen, your list can go anywhere you want it to go. Pray for a husband. Pray for a job. Pray for a relationship to get back where it needs to be. Pray for a lost child, a brother, a sister, a family member. Whatever it is, it's Mother's Day. You have grace. You have mom grace. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how far away from God you've been. Just say, God, sorry about that. Have mercy. That's all it takes. God's not going to be up there and go, no, you've been too bad. He didn't like that. This today, I believe, is a red-letter day for some of you women. Right? I said two waves. Could be another wave, too. All right. You got your prayer locked in your gun? <laughs> All right, Lord, I, in the name of Jesus, as these women stand here, I pray a blessing over them. On this day, Lord. This Mother's Day, May 14th, 2023, as they order their prayers before you, and as they just keep praying here at the altar, maybe Terry, just for a few minutes, I pray you'll give them the deepest desire of their heart, what it is at this, near the top of their list. Maybe there's three or four things, but at the top of the list, hear from heaven, Lord, as we take our God-given inheritance and our God-given place as women, intercessors, the grace that moms and grandmas have seemingly above all. Whether you're a mother or a grandmother doesn't matter. Every woman that wants to pray is up here. Maybe you're praying to be a mother or a grandmother. I believe this could be an historic day. You could trace back, this is the day I prayed and God heard me. Now, I want to get the chance for the women to come up first. Now, any guy that would like to come up, 
you want to pray about something, draw that line in the sand and come up. Come up. Now I realize all these women up here might be a little intimidating. And if you're intimidated by that, you're just dumb. Sorry. You're doing the same thing that I told you the guys do. You're exactly like Samuel. I mean, not Samuel. You're exactly like uh, Hannah's husband. Don't be dumb. I believe today's a crossroads. There's something here for all of us. God, I just clear the deck of what was. I don't care what's happened. I don't care how bad we've been. I don't care how bad the situation's been. I don't care how, how horrible it's been. I don't care what the situation. I pray, God, that you would hear from heaven, from the throne room of God. We come in the name of Jesus, Lord, on His, in His name. And we ask you, as we ask in His name, that you would just bring a flood of answers. We pray we would see the answer to the prayers uttered on Mother's Day, May 14, 2023. We would see these answers play out for the next several weeks and months, and days even, maybe even minutes, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, pray big. I encourage you, pray big, because God's in that place now. Pray big. Pray bigger. Pray bigger than you ever have. Don't be ashamed about anything. Pour it out before Him. Tell Him what you need. God, I pray would come and bring this lovely mom grace grandma grace on our prayers today may there be a tenacity in the room a blessing in the room i bless this group our kids bless us now lord would you bless us with the ability to pray and expect miracles to happen in jesus mighty name amen just spend as long as you want in here if you need to go feel free pray for as long as we're here